Hi, and welcome to Serious About Sustainability, the podcast series brought to you by Mitsubishi Electric's Ikadan Air Source Heat Pump. I'm Max Halliwell from Ikadan, and you're listening to a series of podcasts all about renewable home heating. We'll be covering a range of topics from the perspective of UK homeowners, self-builders, contractors and housing associations. Our show today is called Installing Ikadan, Partnering for Success. My guest is Ikadan installer David Cook. Hi, David. How are you? You keeping well? Yes, keeping very well, thank you. Yep, and you? Good, yeah, excellent, thank you. Good, good. So, thanks for joining us on um, Serious About Sustainability. Um, this is actually our 12th episode now, so welcome. Um, we've done all sorts of topics on here. We've uh, spoken to self-builders, housing associations, um, even industry bodies like um, Green Building Council, UK Green Building Council. Um, but until this moment, David, we've not had probably the backbone of the industry, the installers. So you are um, you are our first installer. So we're really, really pleased to, uh, to have you on. What I'd like to start off just to give our uh, listeners a bit of context, really. Um, I think it's fair to say that as far as installing Ikadan in the UK, you have to be one of the most experienced installers in our country. So just just to set some context for listeners, can you just explain a little bit about your business and where you are? Yeah, we're um, we're only a very small business based in North Norfolk, but we cover all of Norfolk and sometimes a little beyond that, which is mainly off gas, in, uh, well, at least North Norfolk is. So our retrofit systems are usually replacing oil, which isn't a difficult decision to make, really, and usually not difficult to do either from a practical point of view. So so we're very lucky in that way, and that's why we've been able to fit so many. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you've been on the, been on the journey most of the time with us. Yeah. We have, yeah. We started um, back in 2009. Our first commission was in October 2009. And then the following year, we fitted about six or seven more. And we're fitting them almost every week now as things have grown. So essentially, you've you've been around um, since really the start, the early days of Ecodan. So... Um, so, what kind of what kind of projects do you generally undertake uh, week by week? I mean, you said you were saying earlier that you you install every single week. Now, there's always something going on. What's the uh, what's the type of projects you're dealing with generally? Well, we do some new build, uh, some retrofit, uh, where we take usually oil boilers out and uh, replace them with heat pumps. Some self build, so across the board, but mostly domestic. Not that much commercial for us. So, majority is domestic, very little commercial. Um, so, in terms of your early experience let's talk about your so renewables versus fossil fuels at the moment uh, did you come in a uh, majority of fossil fuels i presume and as it slowly transferred over or where where are you at the moment on kind of like the mix of your activities um well we are gas safe registered as well so we do a few gas installations each year but um i would say probably one gas boiler for every 15 heat pumps something like that but um before 2009 we were predominantly fitting oil boilers but i think we've only fitted one in 10 years we've given up on that completely is there any reason why you've given up completely on the oil boilers? is it just because the market is so buoyant for heat pumps for you now yeah it kind of doesn't fit in with what we believe in and what we're trying to do it seems the opposite to what we're trying to do really so we we try and encourage people to go for sustainable heating rather than fossil fuels particularly oil Let's talk about that journey. That's, that's interesting. It's interesting you say that, David, because so when somebody has 
an oil boiler that's broken down or a gas boiler that's broken down, how are you starting the conversation with them? Are you are you introducing the renewables straight away, or if someone says to you, "Oh, my boiler's broken, I need a new one," well, explain a little bit about that that kind of process. Usually, that will be the customer that inquires about heat pumps rather than the other way around. So they're already interested in changing from oil when they contact us, I guess, because we're that kind of business. Um, So they're already interested. They just like to know a little more about how they work and the costings and things. Okay. So you don't ever have conversations where you sort of like say, oh, have you considered a heat pump? You know, if someone's got an oil boiler, have you considered a heat pump? Is that the sort of conversation you ever have? or No, really, genuinely, most people are already interested in heat pumps and that's why they come to us. Let's go back to the start of your business, David. So if we go back all those years when you first started, um, let's just go through how you came to install your first heat pump. I mean, that must have been quite a, quite a big moment in your business, the installation of your first heat pump. How did that come about? Yeah, well, prior to the Ikadans, uh, we were doing quite a lot of ground source heat pumps in domestic places. And we were kind of linked with a national supplier and fitted their heat pumps. And at that time, there wasn't really a good alternative in the air source heat pumps. But then, of course, once the Egodans were launched, it kind of changed everything. So uh, we still do the odd ground source heat pump, but um, the air source have really taken over for us. Just to explain, because some of our listeners won't uh, be completely familiar with all the technology between ground source and air source um do you just want to very briefly just touch on the the fundamentals between the two in terms of what that means from an installation point of view yeah well the ground source heat pump takes its heat from the ground uh, obviously so through loops in the um around the ground and then back to the heat pump the technology is the same but it just takes its energy from the ground rather than from the air Okay, yeah. So you don't have the box outside, the air source heat pump box outside, but you have to put ground loops in instead. Other than that, the technology is the same, really. And these are, these are what they call the the, the collectors that you, you put in the ground. They're like a slinky type system. Exactly, yeah, which is uh, pretty disruptive and quite expensive. So the, um, so the air source have kind of taken over, really, for us anyway. Probably, again, we probably fit one of those for every 50 air source, I guess. That's interesting to hear that. So was that part of the conversation then when, when you started going on from as ground source started to go down, probably an air source came online, was that was it the kind of same people that said, well, I'm thinking of ground source and were you able to introduce air source as, a, as an option or do you think the, the person who was inquiring was well aware of the technology? Uh, no, that's right. Um, at the beginning, when air source weren't really that well known, uh, yeah, I would have a conversation like that and say, you know, do you want to have a look at an alternative to a ground source? It's less disruptive and easier and cheaper to fit. The results are pretty much the same. So it, it naturally took over, really, once they became available. But prior to Ecodans, there was nothing really out there on the market that was good enough. But yeah, then that all changed quite quickly. So when you say... Um, nothing else on the market was good enough. That I understand there was there's probably a few products, etc. But um, it leads me on to the question, really, why you decided to install um, install Ecodans? Because I think there were other manufacturers around, um, and then you've, you, I mean, you've created a partnership with us, essentially. So what was the, what was the driver? What was your experience in those early days? Yeah, I, I think I tried a Mitsubishi. Um, was the first one I tried, and then and then I thought. I really need to do some training, some manufacturer's training on these. And it just seemed right. Uh, everything about it was right, uh, suited what we needed completely. Um, but 
prior to that, I don't think that, well, obviously there weren't as many people making them before that. There were some Scandinavian type machines, but there wasn't the support and the backup that Mitsubishi offer. So it was a bit of a minefield for somebody who was used to uh, oil boilers and gas boilers. It was a bit, you know, it looked a bit daunting, really. Yeah, I can imagine. Absolutely. But with the Mitsubishi, uh, with the Mitsubishi training and backup, yeah, we've been fine. Yeah, it's been good. So the the backup, it sounds like it's really, really important. And um, we're probably going to have quite a few potential installers listening to this podcast. And uh, I mean, one of the things I'm sure they're intrigued by, you know, in those early days, the, the types of um, challenges and differences really when installing uh, a heat pump compared to a conventional fossil fuel boiler um just interested probably a bit of a question but what, what mistakes do you think are commonly made or what you made you think and what, what did you learn in those early days probably uh took a few risks early on without really knowing it but uh yeah the rad sizing is important and also the condition of the system we get asked to do systems that are 30 40 years old and full of sludge and it's not really good enough so uh we tend to replace those systems at least the radiators and whatever is possible to replace yeah and the rad sizing so we use your sizing tools but we've not really had that many problems uh no major problems that's really good to hear those are very interesting points you've made about the ease of install or um but the mistakes that could be made there's been some discussions in the um in the media about the importance of a good install because the technology itself so from a major manufacturer like Mitsubishi Electric, the heat pump itself is a very, very reliable piece of equipment. But it, but it appears to be the, the critical thing is that the installers need to be um, well briefed on the sizing, not only, as you say, of the property, um, but of the emitters and the pipework to the emitters. That seems absolutely critical because if if it's not sized correctly, or as you say, the system's quite old and they don't, is it, is it power flushing? Is that the right term? Where you basically yeah. clean out the system? Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's obviously a, a very, very um, crucial thing to do. So is that, is, that an, is that a natural thing to do, to sort of like power flush every single system you go to? Well, yes, every system, older system on retrofits needs to be flushed. Um, you can do a chemical flush if it's a fairly new, clean system. Um, or a, p- a power flush if the system's not too old. If it's too old, so that the um, the power flushing can actually create problems. Uh, if that's the case, then we just replace everything. So that's all pipe work and the emitters as well. Yeah, and also, well, you're uh, talking about size, and of course, the size of the heat pump is also crucial. It needs to be the right size for the system, so that the, um, the heat pump isn't starting and stopping too often, or if it's working too hard and not. Co- coping with the demand can you expand on that slightly david so if the, you said the heat pipe has to be exactly sized so it doesn't short cycle or it's not working so can you just expand can you just expand on why that's so important um yeah well the, the compressors inside of the the heat pump are made to uh start and stop roughly the right amount of time for the running hours that it's it's done so too many starts and stops so if a uh, as you say as we cycling if uh if you put too big a machine in for a very small system then it'll just keep starting and stopping all the time and then cause wear on the compressor and likewise if it's working too hard it's going to do too many running hours it's important to get the machine the right size for the system too the analogy i think i've heard before on this is is if the system or the heat pump is um, sized correctly it's a bit like getting your car running at 50, 60 mile an hour, just cruising along um, and it's putting energy into the property nice and gently and it gets there in a very economical way. Whereas if it's 
um, sized incorrectly, what you're saying is that the heat pump will basically be, just, be, be going up and down, up and down in energy. So one minute it's doing, say, 100 and then 0, 100 and 0. You're getting the same amount of energy in, but in a very different way that's not appropriate for the heat pump. So this sizing is absolutely critical. Um, and I presume that just comes from – so is that did, did you get that experience from using our tools and reading and um, MCS, government website? What was – was it a combination of everything or – Yeah, I mean, it, it is a part of your sizing tool to size the machine for the, for the system. So, uh, yeah, we generally use your software. Oh, that's good to hear. And you found that pretty reliable? Yeah, well, we have, yeah. What, what have you noticed the most in terms of um, changes, you know, things like you know improvements for installers or efficiency what what's really stood out for you that you've seen over the last 10 plus years uh well of course the ultra quiet now is good so it allows you to put it in more places without disturbing you know for the noise levels they've virtually silenced some of the machines so that's a massive improvement um i think the uh the controllers are easier to use for householders and then of course there's the the wi-fi now um so yeah they have I mean, we're on FTC 6 now, aren't we? The sixth version. Yeah, so yeah, FTC 6 for our listeners is flow flow temperature controller. Uh, so that can do more things than the five and the ones before that. Uh, so yeah, little gentle improvements all the time. But yeah, maybe the controller is the, uh, is the best thing, the new controllers. So the ultra quiet uh, performance, let's, let's just expand on that point why that's so important. Just explain to the, uh, the listeners. So uh, you've alluded to the systems being very, very quiet um, and being able to be positioned um, where you actually want them because this is under the regulations, the micro generation certification scheme so that um, nobody can hear the heat pump. So what you're saying is it's given you flexibility to place the heat pump where you want on the property. If I, is that is that what you're saying? Yes, that's right. In relation to your neighbours, uh, more than anything, but also your, yourselves. In the early days, we used to say don't don't put it underneath a window because they you know they tend to run 24 hours a day. It could disturb people at night more than during the day. So, but really, some of the new ones are so silent you can almost put them anywhere. There is a, as you rightly say, that there's an MCS test, sound test that you you have to do to make sure that it's not disturbing your neighbours. It's not difficult to pass that now with the with the new uh, ultra quiet. David, we've discussed um, differences in um, heat pumps in terms of um, nuances and uh, I think you call them quirks or yeah, little technical differences, etc. And one of the things that um, we're really proud of at Mitsubishi Electric, what we've done with Ecodan, um, is extended uh, what we call guaranteed uh, performance at low temperatures. It started off with our bigger unit, the 14 kilowatt Ecodan, which had something called Zubadan technology, which guarantees um, cold weather performance down into like minus 10 minus 15 it still gives you the same capacity as it does at the ambient temperatures quoted um, on the information sheets now with our new r32 models which is the uh, the latest refrigerant gas we've now extended this guaranteed um, heating capacity uh, at low temperatures so if you install a heat pump you know that even if it's outside the design condition you're still going to get if it says eight kilowatts you're still going to get eight kilowatts at minus five minus ten etc how important is a feature like that to you as an installer yeah very important it goes back to um size and the the heat pump for the system that there was always a drop back uh, in 
extremely low temperatures. But now, as you say, with the new technology on the R32 gases, they actually produce the full capacity at really low temperatures. So um, you don't need to go to the next size up. You can actually fit the right machine for the right installation um, and it can cope with it in in extremely low temperatures, any temperatures really that are going to be in the UK. Yeah, that's great. It's another advance. Uh, in the early days, as I said, when, when I started, the um, that was one of the problems that the drop back was so bad on some of the heat pump air sources that were available then. It made it really difficult to pick the right machine for the right house. But um, yeah, so that's another major advance really. The Mitsubishi electric Ikadan air source heat pump switched from fossil fuels like oil, LPG and storage heaters to clean, renewable home heating. Visit ikadan.co.uk for more information. Ikadan, serious about sustainability. I think a lot of our listeners would like to know, um, this is going to be quite a, a long question for you to answer, but I think this. let's get to the crux of this in terms of let's talk about a typical um, or recent off-gas install project that you've done. So essentially, you know, let's, let's go through the actual step-by-step process of how a project would run. Yep. So uh, we'll start with uh, an inquiry I'd ask prospective customer to email over a set of floor plans and any other information they can think of that would help for a quote. And then we um, we do a uh, whole house calculation. So that's um, a quite a basic calculation to size the heat pump based on the floor area of the house. So whole house gives you gives you the kilowatt hours for. So you're not at this stage just for the quote. You were getting uh, the the heat loss just for the outside, the envelope of the building. Is that is that right? Exactly. Yeah, and that would be a preliminary quotation. So that would size the heat pump and hot water tank, and with the floor plans, we can see you know quite a lot and provide that. Uh, if it's acceptable to the client, we'll then do a um, site survey and take a bit more detail, look at the radiator sizing and all the logistics of where to put the machines, uh, see if any of the radiators need replacing, see if the system is sound enough to use, and then provide a more up-to-date quotation. And then, obviously, if that's accepted, we then get it booked in the diary. And you get help from our pre-sales department, can't you, with the room by the room, by room sizing, I understand, is a, it can be quite detailed to make sure each radiator perfectly fits the output of that room. Yeah. So, so on the second, more in depth, when we do a site visit, we'll take note of the radiators and um, and come back and do a room by room sizing, make sure they're big enough. If not, we would have to add to the quotation the the cost of replacing some of the or all of the radiators. But funnily enough, probably half of the time the radiators are big enough. Strangely, a lot of houses have radiators in that are actually too big for a oil or gas boiler. They've been kind of oversized in the past, so they're still okay for a heat pump. So whole house to um, room by room sizing, understand is is quite um, potentially um, the crux of the matter. And I've heard a lot about the radiators potentially being needed to obviously they need to be sized exactly for the room um, and sometimes changed changed out. 
Yeah, um, some of the time the radiators, some rooms may not be big enough because obviously the flow temperature of a heat pump is less than a fossil fuel boiler. So they have to be increased by about almost double in some cases to give the same amount of heat out. But actually, when we do our surveys, we find that a lot of radiators are actually oversized to begin with for, a, and so they're okay to leave. So we do a room by room calculation so that we can see exactly what's needed in each room and only change the ones that need to be changed. But it is surprising that um, I think the heat and engineers in the past weren't particularly accurate about sizing they didn't have these sizing tools uh, we just uh, they just used to basically uh, put it um, so it looked that it fit fitted the space rather than doing the calculations oh i see yeah a bit of a guesstimate really but that they kind of just fitted under the window they got as big a ones in as they could what well, so there, there, there's a bay window let's put a radiator onto it yeah and let's get a big one in there and make sure it's big enough but they didn't have the tools that we have now 10 20 years ago to uh, to do the calculations for the heat losses and the point and the point with this is even if you're fitting a fossil fuel boiler or a heat pump for the for the system to be efficient you should be doing heat loss calculations anyway because do you think do you think because fossil fuels have such a large envelope when you you get a, a fossil fuel boiler they're so powerful uh, and potentially waste a lot of energy that they're just not being sized correctly we could save an awful lot of energy by doing the right thing anyway from the sounds of it okay david i've got a big subject for you now uh one word commissioning Lots of questions and lots of installer questions about commissioning a heat pump. What are your thoughts and experiences? Well, of course, uh, commissioning is also important to uh, to set it up to get the maximum efficiencies and so on. And uh, we actually use your SD card system. And uh, so we, I have a selection of SD cards that uh, we read onto the control board. Uh, we have one for new builds, one for radiator systems, one for older properties. And uh, it literally reads off the card onto the control board. We very, very rarely have to go back and change it. Of course, when, once it's done, we know how it's set up. So if we get any questions later on, we, we, we know what we've put in. So you have to set them differently, the heat parameters differently for each property. But all new builds are the same and so on. And so it's quite simple, really, uh, setting the heat curves, the timings, and most systems are the same. We generally use your pre-plumbed cylinders, which are all, pr- you know, pretty much plumbed in the same. So they're all commissioned in the same way. So uh, we, we don't find commissioning a problem at all. It's important to get it right. And it's important that we know what we've done when we leave in case there are any callbacks or, or questions later on. But yeah, that's what we do. We use your SD card system. That sounds like a very, very logical and repeatable process you've got there. So from our listeners' point of view, what David's explained is in our main controller, um, you have the ability to um, actually pre-program um, David's got obviously a selection of um, SD cards that you just pop in, program the system, and then off to the next one. So extremely time efficient, um, and you know exactly um, that, that that commissioning logic is going to work. So uh, great, great to hear that you're using that. So David, once the once the um, system's all installed and the homeowners, um, you know, happily at home, getting their hot water and space heating, we've got a um, Ikadan app, as you know, Mel Cloud. Just wondering what your experience are with the homeowners using um, that. You know, the smart app uh, for our listeners. This is an app that sits on your phone. It's web based or um, app based, etc. What's what's your experience with people using uh, the app? Yeah, we we would always encourage um, people to use 
use the app. It's it's free, a free service that links your system to the tech guys in Manchester. So if there's ever a problem that um, you've got help on hand, they can diagnose it literally over the telephone. Uh, we get an alert, and uh, so we're aware. Most customers um, are very happy with it. They need to have a Wi-Fi connection. That's all. So yes, another bonus of the FDC six systems. What I love about the app is the and the as you mentioned the connection to um, the help desk in Manchester um, is the amount of journeys it can save engineers. I remember one store we had a housing association in with us. I think you do a lot of work for housing associations, and a client basically said, "Oh, got no hot water." Um, we dialed into the system. Um, and had a quick look and all it was found that someone had just turned the settings off. Um, previously, that might have been an engineer and it was quite, they were, they were deep in, in sort of like off-gas territory as we call it. It would have been a, an hour and a half journey for the engineer. Literally, a quick flick of the button and the heating and the hot water back to where it should be. So absolutely fantastic system we're finding and saves, uh, saves the install. And you were saying you get notifications as well sometimes if errors pop up on systems. So Yeah, so it saves false call-outs, which obviously costs money. So uh, quite often the homeowners can, can sort it out themselves uh, with the help of the tech guys or with us on the phone. So saves us running around for no reason and saves the cost of a call-out. Yeah, so it's a good, good system to use, yeah. Technology in action. In action, yeah. David, there's, a, there's so much in the media recently in terms of um, net zero, reducing carbon. We've had Boris's 10-point plan. We've had reports from the Committee for Climate Change. You know, it's all about reducing carbon. In your, in your experience, though, have you seen an increase in the awareness of sustainable heating technology and generally with your customers increasing over the last few years? Oh, definitely. Yes, without a doubt. You can't. Uh, not be aware now really i don't think heat become heat pumps becoming the norm with the pv everywhere and electric cars being talked about um you, you surely everyone knows now the importance of it and, and they have a basic understanding of it so i think most people want to go that way yeah i'm sure um, people are a lot more aware now than they were 10 years ago it sounds like those conversations um are becoming less and less and it's more moving over to do you think people are more interested so someone on who's on oil or lpg or on off gas area or electric storage heaters and they're unsure about heat pump technology do you think the conversation's more going over towards the energy efficiency and the savings that they could get from a heat pump do you think that's more popular Is, do you get that more do you think you know how is it going to affect my pocket what am i going to save in our experience i would say People tend to change to the heat pumps more because of their conscience about sustainable heating and the green energy. I think they're more interested in that than they are in the um, the actual costs. If the running costs are similar or potentially less than they're paying already, then that's a bonus for some people. But I genuinely believe that they're more interested in doing the right thing. I think that's how strong the message is now compared to 10 years ago. It was a kind of a niche market 10 years ago, but I don't think it is now. Not, well, not for us anyway. So, David, what I'd like to talk about now is the, um, the grant funding available with heat pumps. Um, so from our, our listeners' point of view, there's currently a grant called the Renewable Heat Incentive, which has run for the past seven years, I think now. Um, we're coming to the end of that. The Renewable Heat Incentive is a grant where um, they deem the properties um, heat that's required, and then they look at the performance of the heat pump, and you're paid 
on the um, the renewable heat generated by that heat pump. And I think the average across the UK is about £1,000 per year for seven years. That's kind of like an average figure for sort of like a three, four-bedroom home. And the consultations that have been going ahead for the replacement to the renewable heat incentive is the Clean Heat Grant which will come out uh, 1st of April 2022 after the renewable heat incentive ends. And that grant will be an upfront payment. It looks like that will be an upfront payment of um, £4,000 for an air source heat pump and potentially £6,000 for ground source heat pump. So a couple of questions for you, David, around the grant funding. So so firstly, what's your your, your experience with the renewable heat incentive process? Yeah, well, um, uh, once the uh, system is commissioned, we provide the homeowner with an MCS certificate and they would also need to have an energy performance certificate. With those two things, they would go um, and fill an f- online form at the MCS website. It's just a couple of pages to fill in. The first one is a few technical questions about their system, the size of the unit and so on. And the second part is basically their personal details, bank account details for the payments to, to go in, which is by direct debit every quarter. So it's pretty straightforward. It can always can can be done in probably 15 minutes or so, providing they've uh, done a, a Got everything prepared beforehand, so it's relatively simple for the um, for the householder. We do most of the legwork by producing the MCS certificate in the first place, which is based on our calculations and so on, and our commissioning sheets. So yeah, it's uh, it's all really prepared for them and for the householder, and it's yeah, ten to fifteen minutes. Does does sound straightforward to me. Um, as you say, um, as experienced installers, you're used to doing the process. So for the homeowner's point of view, um, there's there's it's quite a simple, straightforward process. So let's talk about the cha- the potential change then in terms of funding. So instead of having slightly more money spread over seven years with the renewable heat incentive, with the clean heat grant coming in and giving an upfront capital payment, um, what difference do you think that's going to make? Do you think that's going to boost the uptake of heat pumps do you think it might not make any difference or what's what's your view on where that's going to take uh, take grant funding and the uptake of heat pumps yeah I, th- I think possibly it might be better it's less money but i think a lot of people would appreciate upfront payments rather than doing it over seven years people move on average within seven years so they might not benefit from it all anyway so i think possibly an upfront payment would be um would benefit most people good point yeah um yeah i think it will help yeah, it's interesting you say that because that, that's 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 the that's the feeling from the uh, the government that, as you say, it's going to be simpler to apply for, but and simpler to manage from the installer side as well. I think it'll be less work for the installer, which is good news. So let's let's see how it goes. We're only um, well um, end of this year; it's flying past, so we'll be in the clean heat grant before we know it. So, David, you've been installing Ecodan for over ten years now. Uh, we've been on the journey with you, so. What makes this a successful business partnership for you? As I said earlier, that um, the training was really good. I think I've been on three training courses uh, down in Hatfield, so that that that's a good start. But the best thing about it is your um, technical help, guys. Uh, the technical help guest desk, after sales technical. I, I've never known anything like it. Really, we we don't get this sort of care in the um, boiler in the normal plumbing and heating industry. I think this is something that's kind of unique to the aircom industry more. So uh, it's a breath of fresh air for me. And these guys are incredible. 
in the early days, uh, we would have struggled without without their backup, to be perfectly honest. And uh, we don't use them so much now, uh, but um, they are brilliant. I, I don't know how they do it. To diagnose things uh, and advise over the phone isn't easy. Particularly, uh, I can imagine some people probably get frustrated because they don't understand. And uh, they're also good at dealing with people, as I say, who who, um, who, who aren't professionals. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're the jewel in, in the crown, really, that Mitsubishi, I think. That's really fabulous to hear. I'm sure they really appreciate the feedback. So you mentioned you don't use as much by now. And is that because you and your team, you're just more experienced now, you know what you're looking for, You've you've learned, it's almost like, you know, teach a man to fish and so forth you know that's saying you think that you, you've essentially just you just pick up the experience in the early days so your your hand has been held to grow and now um they're almost redundant now no <laughs> that's great it's great to hear that they're there yeah we we still talk regularly but um <laughs> but um in the early days i don't know whether we'd been able to do it without them uh and the and the, the equipment has got better as i say i said earlier the the control you know, the programmer or the controller for the for the Ecodans is, is easier to use than the original one. Be easier to commission them as well with the SD card that I mentioned earlier. Tech guys are still there if we need them, but uh and they're still excellent. Well, trust me, they're 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 busy because obviously as new installers come on, you know, um it's a it's a conveyor belt, you know, they 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 partner with everyone that comes on. And as you say, with the um the, the systems are becoming slightly easy now. We have the um, the wizard now, where you commission as well. Where he basically takes you through a series of questions, which understands going really, really well. So it sounds like um, um, critical. The critical thing for you is the, the early training in terms of the partnership and a really, really good um, after sales team to support you on those early installations is absolutely critical to make sure you create like a foundation of knowledge to get you going. So that leads me on to the next, the next question in terms of, so is there anything that would, that installers, conventional fossil fuel installers need to make any fundamental changes to their business to move into renewable energy? Or is it really what we've just covered? Are those the critical, the critical things? Well, yeah, that's right. That's like taking on another um, another technology, I suppose. If usually doing fossil fuel installations, that they have to accept that they would need to do the training, and they would need to be registered um, for the installations. Um, we're we're with NAPIT, so they're probably already with GasSafe and Offtech, and and it's another one. So um, some of them, some of the installers probably hesitating a bit because they feel they have enough training and so on to do. But I, I think it's going to happen anyway. So, well, we, we gave up our off-tech once we'd been doing heat pumps for a couple of years because we decided that was the direction we'd go in. So we actually gave up the off-tech, the oil um, um, registration. Wow, bold move. That really, that really kind of set your stance of your business then. Yeah, that was a, yeah that's the way we went, decided that we thought things were going to go. So we gave it up completely. So we've just replaced one with another in a sense. But I think if – and we're not – we're a very small company, so – if companies are bigger than us and got uh, got a few guys who are going to be doing potentially heat pumps, then that's no re- not really that much different from being registered for the other technologies. All right, got you. There's a bit got more you. to it if uh, if you're going to do retrofits with and claim claim the RHI grants. There's a bit more to it, but um, essentially it's what they're doing already, really. So, so last question. Um, you can I think you've probably summarised this, but let's let's just talk about. We've probably got. 
um, listening now, um, we've got typical fossil fuel installers, as you say, gas, oil, etc., listening to this episode. And if they're currently thinking about getting into heat pump installations, what would be the advice you'd give them right now? What to do? Well, I'd probably say have a good look at the. I mean, well, we only we have done one or two other types of heat pump, but you know, virtually everything we do is Mitsubishi. We've and I think we did the right thing actually. We we looked at the, what was out there and decided that Mitsubishi was the right fit for us, and uh, and we stick to that and try and be as good as we can with that one product and uh, build relationships. And I, I think that's the way to go. I think each heat pump has its own little um, quirks, each type. So I'd pick the one that suits you best. Definitely have a look at Mitsubishi. And um, uh, we like the fact that, as I say, we like to train and we like the um, the help we get from uh, support we get. We like the having an account with Mitsubishi rather than going through merchants. Everything worked for us with Mitsubishi. So I, if I was advising somebody else, I'd say pick the manufacturer you want to work with and, um, yeah, and, and enjoy the partnership. Brilliant. So essentially you've you've wrapped up with a a picture of training support in terms of the after sales learning about the heat pump but it sounds like there's absolutely no doubt at all that what we have here is um a chance for a lifetime for installers to embrace this new technology with the numbers that we're going to be seeing them um, installed over the next few years it's a it's a fantastic opportunity for installers um it's been absolutely brilliant having you on serious about sustainability david um you've shared so much of your knowledge um given me some insights as well um in terms of you know the journey that you've been on and what makes it really important for your business to thrive as well so it's been an absolute delight so thank you very much for coming on david and sparing uh, your valuable time and uh you never know we might might invite you back for an update uh, in a few months time <laughs> Yeah, that's an absolute pleasure. It's nice to see you. Nice to speak Great. to you again. Thank you, David. Thanks, Max. Wow, what an episode. Some amazing information from an established Ecodan installer. Some great tips there if you're thinking about becoming a renewable heating installer. A huge thanks to my guest, David Cook, for coming on the show. Thank you, David. And thank you for listening. And please share, subscribe, rate and review the Ecodan Serious About Sustainability podcast. Until next time, goodbye.